are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. You know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. That sentence guides the path of the leader we're featuring today, whose life story plays like a movie, I think, and it actually is a movie. It's also the mission statement of his foundation, which is dedicated to changing the way the world sees people with disabilities by highlighting our universal struggle. And I've come to understand what Chris means by that, um, by preparing for the show. I'm really looking forward to introducing you today to my guest, Chris Waddell. Good morning, Chris. Chris was a freshman skier at Middlebury College in 1988 when he broke his back in a skiing accident. Chris's journey to dare and ultimately to live fully, despite the loss of the use of his legs, is not only a source of inspiration for us all, but also an example of how to really live. Recently, Chris became the first paraplegic to summit Mount Kilimanjaro virtually unassisted. The award-winning documentary movie, One Revolution, produced by Amanda Stoddard, captures Chris's extraordinary ascent up the highest mountain in Africa. It's an action film that's both gripping and moving. It's my pleasure to welcome Chris this morning, and it's an honor to help him share his vision, his story, and his message with you. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you this morning? I am. I'm actually in Park City, Utah, my, my hometown. Excellent. Yes. Well, well Chris, as we're going to kind of jump in today. I've, I've um, been thinking about you. I've been. I watched the documentary that um, that you star in, um, the One Revolution documentary, and I have so many questions for you this morning. So, I think we'll just jump in and um, introduce you to our listeners. Um, Chris, as a 13-time Paralympic medalist, you've been showing the world what you can do as an athlete for many, many years. And mostly we've seen you racing down steep mountains. Um, you took the opposite challenge by setting the goal to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania last fall. What was your motivation? Well, I, I guess actually with your introduction, I, I felt like I owed owed the mountain at that point after so many times riding up the mountain and, and then <laughs> riding down it. But, but there was there was a debt of uh, you know a debt on my part. But but no, it was really it was an extension of what I was doing as far as as far as being an athlete was concerned. I felt like as a Paralympic athlete, I had the ability to stretch people's imagination and to, to hopefully see me and people like me differently. And and really, hopefully, in other ways, to see. You know, to see possibilities differently for all of us. And when I retired, I, I felt like I'd lost that. I'd lost that ability to make that kind of a statement. Climbing Kilimanjaro, in, in some ways, is, is, is different and similar. So it's, it's similar in the sense that, that it's really difficult to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in a hand cycle. And, and hopefully people see that difficulty, see that struggle, and see our ability as human beings to... To persevere, but also to adapt. But but what's different is that the context of climbing a mountain, I think, is something that's more easily comprehended for people than than Paralympic sport. We don't see a lot of Paralympic sport. We don't necessarily understand it, and we might come to it with some preconceived notions that don't give us a full range of of um, you know comprehension of ability to to see. Oh wow, well this is great sport and great entertainment, as opposed to. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, isn't it great that those people are are, are continuing to do something? And, and and so I think that the context of climbing a mountain was something that, that to me was more easily digestible. Yeah, you know, I think that you make a really interesting point. I hadn't thought of it, but I find uh, as a fa- faculty member at Georgetown University's leadership coaching program, there's a moment where we ask people to describe their journey, and almost everybody draws a mountain. And puts themselves somewhere on that mountain. <laughs> so I think you make a great point. Uh, it was not a small thing for you to choose to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And um, I w- really want to spend some time in this hour learning about that that trip and, and what you learned from it. But first I want to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about the foundation you've created called the One Revolution Foundation. Tell us about, about your foundation. Well, so the foundation, so as you mentioned earlier, our mission is to change the way the world sees people with disabilities by highlighting our universal struggle. And the, 
you know, the, the intention with that is to be as, as universal as possible. I don't think that sometimes it seems like as, as a group, you can call attention to who you are and, and you're forcing people to sort of recognize who you are in, in order to, in order to further the, the mission of it. And, and, and I felt like that was always a challenge for me to, to try to do it this way. So, so my tactic is more of a, you know, more of kind of like a backdoor tactic where, where ultimately what we're trying to do is, is say that, that it really is about all of us. That, that this, this nature of a struggle, everybody has a struggle. And if we can, if we can acknowledge that we all have a struggle, Maybe we can appreciate that struggle, you know, each other's struggle, but also look beyond the struggle to see the individual. We don't just see the individual. And so we've tried, or we don't just see the struggle. And so we've tried to do that in three different ways. Obviously, the film is, is a huge, you know, keystone part of our foundation because it gives people a chance to, to see something that hopefully is a little bit different than they, than they assumed, but also to see it within the comfort of a theater, to see it when they, on the, you know, the comfort of their own couch or, or whatever. So it's not, it's not a one-on-one intimidating kind of, uh, asking somebody to, to change their perceptions. It's, it, it's a more, it's a more subtle way and, and allowing that person to put themselves hopefully in the role of the protagonist, which is obviously the hope of all good art, but, uh, but to, to be online struggle and say, you know, that's about me. And, and hopefully we can, hopefully we can do that through film. It's, I, I think it's an amazing medium to be able to do, mm-hmm. to be able to affect change. So, mm-hmm. so that's one component of it. We do an educational program called Name Tags, which looks at the labels that we put on ourselves and others, which are often limitations and trying to see if we can get beyond those. I mean, you look at kids now and they're so diagnosed with so many different things and you're this and you're that. And, Maybe that's the thing that persists with you, and you go, "Oh, well, I can never do this because I'm that." And it's like, "Well, look around you. There are a whole lot of people who've had, you know, who've been diagnosed with exactly the same thing that you have, who've been wildly successful. So let's let's see if we can look at this diagnosis a little bit different. So we've done, I think we've reached over 100,000 kids in three years with our name tags programs throughout the country. And the the final part is our mobility revolution, mm-hmm. which. Sometimes we just need a hand up. I mean, we just need we just need to start before we can before we can can figure out who we are. And so, in developing countries, the roads are not the roads that we're used to. There aren't sidewalks, and there aren't curb cuts, and there often aren't paved roads. And so, we're taking the model of my vehicle and turning it into an everyday vehicle. So, mine's sort of like the Formula One model. This is like your everyday car that's used for transportation. It's a simpler version which obviously hopefully simpler means that it doesn't need as much maintenance. And, yeah. but, but it would allow people to get to different places and hopefully take their sphere of life from 10, 20, 30 feet to maybe 10, 20, 30 miles, uh, which, which seems, seems great. And part of it also is this idea of going along for the ride where you have an idea of what you think would be good for somebody else. But, being willing to watch and see if indeed that is the case. Yeah, that's 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 a very respectful uh, stance, actually, to take towards someone else in someone else's life, is to have an idea, perhaps, of what might be good, but then actually to just um, open up to the possibility that your solution may or may not actually be right for somebody else. I think that's a, that's actually, you sound to me like a leadership coach, Chris, <laughs> when you talk about that. Um, well, it, it's really interesting because uh, just, to, just to complete that point, we, we donated some wheelchairs when we were in mm-hmm. Tanzania the first time, and we saw one of the guys we went back there, and we ran into one of the guys who had received one of the wheelchairs from us, at the at the market at the outdoor market, and he was all excited that this had this had changed his life and everything. And we're going, all right, cool, cool. This is exactly what we're looking for. The thing that's a little bit different is that it, it he he was he was a beggar. I mean, he was literally this this wheelchair allowed him to get to a more prime location, and and he he was paying paying somebody to actually push him from where he lived to this prime location. And so the first part of my thought was, oh, cool, okay, we want, we changed your life. This is great. That's exactly what we're looking for. And then the second part is, ooh, really? I didn't think we were intending to help you become a better beggar. That wasn't really exactly what we were looking for. But I think that, that culturally we have to take a step back and leave our leave our sense of who, you know, of, of, of the way the world should be, which as Americans we certainly have a really dominant view of how the world should be, and, and to be able to say, okay, well, you know, there's a really interesting social connection with this guy who's 
who's employing another person to help him do what he needs to do. And, and you kind of go, okay, mm-hmm. I think in general, that's better, but it's certainly not the, not the script that I would have written for it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. We've had a lot of discussion on this show over recent months about the, actually the principle of sufficiency, which says that, um, which trusts that in the wholeness, the resourcefulness and the resilience of the other person, right? So rather than assuming that we have all the answers, we look for what's working or what has the potential to work in our own lives or if we're supporting somebody else in somebody else's life and we try to feed that and nourish that potential. Um, that's already there rather than sweep in with our answers and solutions, you know, so I, I'm really understand your philosophy and I love your example. You know, Chris, when I returned to Middlebury college where I came back after graduating in 1987, I came back in 1992. Um, you had just graduated and somebody gave me a small black and white photograph of you that I've had at hand for 20 years. And although I've never personally met you, what I saw in that picture and what I heard of you from other people who know you really inspired me. I have looked at your picture off and on for 20 years to remind myself to have courage, to be resilient, to keep going and to really dare to dream. And I know you've had that effect on so many people's lives, just really, um, as you said, stretching the imagination, giving hope at critical moments. Tell tell me, what's the source, Chris, of your amazing resilience? What keeps you going? Well, I mean, I think that I think the part of it is is sort of an overarching goal, and and I think that overarching goal. Is, Chris, I'm going to jump is, in, and we'll take a quick break, and we'll take okay. the question when we come back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. My guest today is Chris Waddell, and we are talking about his extraordinary life and the leadership lessons he's learned along the way. Uh, I was just saying to Chris before the break that he has been a source of inspiration to me for many years, although we've never met um, in person. So I know you've had this effect on so many people, Chris, um, and I would love to have you tell us, where does this resilience in you come from? Where do you find this source of resilience within yourself? It's, it's, it's a great question, one that I think is probably... There might not be an easy answer to. I think the part of it is having having an overarching goal. Having and, and the overarching goal for me is to make is to is to to have a have a fulfilling life. You know, to to live fully. And sometimes that's a sometimes that's a struggle. You know, it sounds it sounds on the surface level. You think, oh well, everybody wants to do that. But sometimes we have to sort of stick our necks out in order to live fully. This idea of even. You know, even like we were talking at the break, where 
where I came home this, this weekend and have been on the road most of the first month of the year and thought, I need to, I need to catch up. I need to catch up on all the stuff that I didn't do and ended up skiing for two days and, uh, and it was great and, and connecting with friends and, and all that stuff because sometimes I think those emails will still be there when I get back to my office. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having, having that part of it, but, but I think that, you know, so much of it is, 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 is surrounding yourself with inspiration. And I think inspiration is, is around all of us. You know, it's just it's people who are passionate about what they do. The, the, you know, the exuberance that somebody shows. I was with a friend yesterday who, who, uh, you know, who really hasn't skied all that much. And, and we were skiing with a good group of people and she got a couple of pointers and got to, you know, follow in behind somebody. And she was over the moon, just excited about this <laughs> day. It was great. And we don't have a ton of snow. It was a nice sunny day, but it was, but you know, it's it like it was a day where she felt like she was, she was learning something new and you go, wow, well, everybody should experience that. And we should try to experience that on a daily basis. And so I think that, you know, so much of my resilience is, is, you know, from my parents uh, who are just, you know, amazing people and, and just are always on the move, always doing something interesting and always making their community better, community, you know, around them, but, but sort of their sense of community as well, their involvement in it. And, uh, you know, I think that, that just you look at the people around you and I think that's where my resilience comes from is just from, from wanting to, wanting to live fully and, and wanting to follow in the footsteps of a lot of, a lot of those people. You know, it sounds to me like it's a it's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a um, way of looking at the world. That's the source of your resilience. Does that sound right? I think so. I think it is. I think it really is this this sense of a of a mindset and looking at the world, you know, as as sort of an ever changing thing. And I think looking at, at myself as an ever changing thing. That, that that sometimes I, you know, I want to just sort of go, oh, okay, I'm just going to relax, and this is it, and this is me, but. That's not really. I don't think that that's that's true. I think that that really a big part of it is that that life's going to keep changing, and and if I'm enjoying the fact that it's going to keep changing, then that makes it a whole lot more, whole lot better than uh, than than saying no, no. I just want to keep it static, and 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 then then there's this resistance, and there's this emotional sense of my world is collapsing because it's changing, and and uh, yeah so I'm trying to embrace the fact that, that it's going to change and that I'm going to continue to change and learn and grow and dream mm, I love that I think that's a really key thought the embracing the idea that the world is always changing and that you're changing too and not trying to hang on to the status quo or what used to be um, you know in the movie in the do- documentary One Revolution there's a moment there where you're talking in the very beginning about why you want to um, climb Kilimanjaro and you say you know there's so many different obstacles and that's appealing to me and I really that, that line really jumped out at me you know most people say oh there's so many obstacles I think it's too much but you said there's so many different obstacles and that's appealing to me and you said that's the reason you climb the mountain to be challenged and so I love this mindset of moving toward the challenge instead of away from it that I heard in, in you in that statement yeah, and I think that that's ultimately, you know, I think that that's a philosophy that, you know, it's 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 it's, it's sometimes a challenge on a daily basis, Kate. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> really, oh yes, I want to seek challenge today. Uh, but it's funny. I was on my, I was training on my on my racing chair. Today. I just have like a stationary roller in my in my basement, and so I got out this morning and you know got a little sweat on and stuff like that. And but I have a little note card on that on that roller or on my mirror that's in front where I used I used to sort of coach myself and as far as my technique is concerned and it says run towards your fear and, and that's run. A, say that again run towards your fear run towards your fear mm-hmm. and, and 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 really that's a philosophy that i'm trying to to adopt on on a regular basis i think that fear is a fear is a part of my life and and certainly you know part of my daily life that there there's this sense of insecurity and this sense of, oh, well, I don't know if I can do that, and I don't know if I know enough, and I don't know this, and I don't know that. I don't, you know, I mean, there's so many different parts of fear that seem to permeate my life, and I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but for a lot of us, I think it probably is. And, and so this idea of, okay, well, if I'm afraid of that, I want to go toward it. And and oftentimes it's not nearly as intimidating as the image that my mind conjures. And, 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 and I find that, that okay, this is there, there's there's a 
you know, there's like that chemical sense of this, this adrenaline or whatever it is that's going to help me reach a higher level as well. So, so why don't I why don't I try to do this? And back to your original question with with regard to climbing the mountain is that you do something like this when it's a you know it's a huge personal challenge. You you do that to to learn about yourself and and you go on that challenge and and you learn things in a, in more absolute terms, I guess, you know, or more concrete, maybe not absolute, absolute's not the right word, but, but more concrete terms, because, because you, you've really been stretched to that limit, and you know who you are, and what you're all about, and, and you get these epiphany moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you're sort of, what I think what I'm hearing you say is you, you go from all the fear that your, your imagination conjures up to actually real experience, where you're tackling in concrete terms, one step at a time, whatever there is to be conquered, and it takes it out of almost that gigantic realm of, um, you know, the, the fearful imagination and brings it into reality, gives you something to really meet. It does, and I think ultimately what it does as well is it, it, it illuminates the sense of possibility for us, that, that when we do something that, that challenges, challenges us on a, on a, you know, super visceral level, that, that then we have to we have to find a way to to succeed, and if we do, you know, and even if we don't, sometimes we go, "Wow, well, I I saw much more potential in myself than I thought was there." And mm-hmm. and, and what else can I do? And I think opening that door to potential really is the thing that lets us dream, because sometimes our dreams are are sort of exactly that, or just these idle these idle thoughts. But those dreams are a big part of who we are, who we are as people. On you know on our on our essential level and and how can we find a way to 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 you know to engage those dreams and say yeah okay it's a dream but that's not just just a daydream this is this is this me. is for real but, yeah 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 you know, the, you know at, at um, my business the Nebo Company we have a tagline if you will called make your vision real mm-hmm. and you know as I was watching you climbing that mountain. I thought, wow, you know, he really knows how to do this. And what I noticed was you really had this vision um, of climbing, going up Mount Kilimanjaro, reaching the summit, and you began a process that included training, it included planning, assembling a team, getting all of the resources that you needed, including innovating some technologies that would really help you achieve what you wanted to do. And then you began you, you moved into actually making it happen. So first there was this kind of preparation and really preparing and, you know, understanding the vision and the challenge. Um, and then there was the doing of it. And I wonder if you could tell us what was your initial, you know, you said something interesting a minute ago. Sometimes, you know, it's just a dream. And um, I wonder what your original dream of the climb would be. The original <clears throat> The original dream was a whole lot easier than the reality. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about all the preparation, and it's, I, I'm not sure if I'm right after watching the movie probably 25 or 30 times recently, but I kept saying after I came back that the two weeks on the mountain was the t- easiest two weeks that I've had in the last three years. <laughs> because all I had to do was pedal for nine hours a day, and I had a single-minded focus, and you just go and you pedal. And and that's that's not that big a deal. It's it's relatively simple. Whereas doing the other stuff and the preparation and trying to get to the mountain and trying to affect the change and really you know, create a sense of visibility too, which which was one of my disappointments with my Paralympic career is that we really weren't on television, we really weren't visible, and so as a result, we were that you know proverbial tree falling in the woods, and if nobody was there to see it, we didn't make a sound. And so I wanted to I wanted to figure out how to you know how to how to tell the story, how to create a film, how to create a buzz, how to how to how to make this bigger than than one moment. Because the climbing on the mountain is is something that's significant, but the telling of the story is, is probably more significant because because that's that's the that's the thing that can affect this change. And so the idea of climbing the mountain actually popped into my head one day when I was when I was doing a little climb out, you know, behind my house on one of the trails out behind my house, and, and I was coming down, and sometimes, uh, you know, there's some quote, and I keep butchering it, it was like Ann Landers or something like that, said that, uh, that, that uh, what is it, that it was something like a gut feeling is, is, is 
is your uh, your your true self bubbling to the surface or something along those lines. And, and so so I had this sort of subconscious thought as I was going down, oh, I should climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I have absolutely new, no idea where the thought came from or whether it was possible, whether it was, you know, whether whether anybody mm-hmm. tried to do it or anything. And, but you uh, had the thought. But, but yeah, but I had this thought and went, okay, well, let's, Let's go, let's get on the internet and see, see what this Fabulous. looks like. And, and we're gonna yeah, take, so, Chris, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we want to hear a lot more about this amazing journey. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, tune into In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Good morning. This is Kate, and my guest today is Chris Waddell. He is uh, an accomplished athlete who has won 13 medals as a Paralympic athlete, racing down mountains at 70 miles an hour or more. He's recently climbed to the roof of Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro, and is the first paraplegic to make this climb virtually unassisted. Welcome back to the conversation with Chris. And Chris, I want to go right to a point in in the in the climb where you're inching along and you're working really incredibly hard just to get that hand cycle to turn its wheels on the rocky terrain and your comment it was i was looking at a rock 10 feet away and just trying to do whatever i could to turn over the wheels to get to that the going was excruciating and i think you know that was one of those universal moments for me as a viewer of your journey is realizing oh gosh i know what that feels like when um, not that literal thing, obviously, but just that feeling that you're you're just hoping you'll get from here to there. And I, I wonder if you could say something to us about uh, how to get through those moments where you just don't even know if you can take that next step. Oh, it's a it's a great question, and it, it's funny because you talk about that moment, and and so often in our lives we're thinking that we're we're trying to go in exactly the opposite direction of the direction that I was trying to go at that point. So. We are, you know, everybody says, well, don't live life in the past and don't live life in the future. You want to live life in the moment. You want to be present in the moment. And I was trying everything I could to not be present in that moment (laughs) because that moment was really excruciating. And so Mm. trying to distract myself from the pain that I was feeling at that point to think, oh, if I can just get to that rock, if I can just get to there. And sometimes that's all we can handle as Mm -hmm. individuals is this sense of obviously we start with a, with a big picture, but but when we start breaking it down and we start trying to trying to get to that big goal, all we can handle are, are sort of bite sized morsels, and and the idea is yeah can I just get here can I just get there can I just get you know, can I just get to this one point and I know that I've seen it with our project with One Revolution 
in that we've done so many different things, and there's so many times that I wake up in the morning thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> with, with, you know, it's like making a movie and selling a movie and getting a movie distributed and and even just doing the name tag things. I I presented in, I don't know, over 300, probably, probably approaching 350 schools at this point. When I first started, I went, who am I to be in front of these kids? I'm not a teacher. I don't have a PhD in education. I didn't study psychology. I haven't written articles on this stuff. I've just sort of paid attention in some way. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes I think that, that all we can handle is that little bite-sized morsel. Our organization, One Revolution, is based on that philosophy, taken in some ways from, from trekking, where when you're trekking, there are things that you cannot do at altitude that you can do very easily at sea level. And so they take what they call a rest step, where it's one step and then it's sort of a rest and, you know, catching your breath and then you take the next step. And so the equivalent for me would be one turn of the crank, one turn of the pedals, which is one revolution. And the idea is that something small can lead to something big, can lead to the top of the mountain. But sometimes we can't, we, we can't, as we're going along, we, all we can understand is small part. We estimated it took 528,000 turns of the crank to make it to the top of the summit. Uh, and, and so so I think that that's, that, that's part of that philosophy of like, okay, we'll have the roadmap, have the plan, have the intermediate goals, but also know that, that sometimes the hardest thing is just doing what's directly in front of you. And, and it, will, it will get easier at some point, and, and you will sort of start to see more of the mountain. Because sometimes we can't even see anything. I keep telling people that I climbed a 19,000-foot mountain in six-inch increments. So the view didn't really change very much. <laughs> you know, thank you for explaining that. I think I think that was uh, really helpful. And, and, you know, your foundation is called One Revolution. And you really mean that six-inch revolution that moves you just a little bit closer toward your potential and toward your, your dream, toward your goals. Um you know, I notice, Chris, I work with the concept of vision as a leadership coach, and I help people to envision the future that they really want, whether it's from an organizational leadership perspective or individually. And what I've noticed is that we tend to envision from our current line of sight. In other words, when we look out and create a vision, it's a direct line from where we are today, even if it seems far off to us and very aspirational. And I always tell people, don't worry, you're not going to... You know, don't don't hesitate to be bold and visionary because your vision is going to be achievable. You can see it actually in this moment, and because you can see it, you're in a direct line of sight to it. And I also tell people that as you get closer to realizing your vision, you may actually decide to change it, and that's okay. You know, you'll have new information as you get closer. You see things you couldn't see from farther away, and it's okay to be adaptive. Um, at the end of your ascent, you reached a difficult patch when you could no longer make progress under your own power as you had intended on this entire journey. And I saw you doing what great leaders do. You paused and you reassessed the situation. You stated the facts as you understood them. And I, I was really um, compelled by that part of the film where it was not, not a film for you. It was real life where you actually just repeated out loud to yourself the facts of the situation there on the mountain and you conferred with your team and then you made a very difficult decision to accept some help in getting up that next hundred vertical feet and I, I was impressed as a leader you made a necessary adjustment in service to your higher mission to ascend the mountain when you had more information you didn't lose the line of sight to the mission but you did adjust and I wonder if you could tell us what that was like for you Wow. Well, you put it in much more flattering terms than I thought as I was doing it, which is which is kind of funny. I mean, I think that part of it, it it's an interesting situation. I mean, the idea of being a leader has been an interesting progression for me, partially because as as an athlete, I was I was the one responsible for all of my performance and and bringing people into into the job at hand and into what we need to do was. You know what, what was a challenge, just because it was it was a, it was a shift in the paradigm as I knew it, and and, and so in that moment, I, I had you know ultimate faith in Dave, who is my guide, Dave Penny, and and it was really it was a conversation between the two of us, and luckily he and I had had a lot of conversations as we'd gone mm-hmm. along doing during our training, and and it really was this idea of okay, well we have to we have to change the plan at this point. 
And and what are you know what are the two options? You know, one option is we we make it as far as we possibly can, and and mark that as the point where we made it to, or we make it to the summit, which ultimately was was the goal, but. But sometimes it's it's hard to it's hard to comprehend that I think in the in the moment and especially uh, you're you're at altitude you're tired you you're not, you're not necessarily on top of your game intellectually or at least I was not necessarily on mm-hmm. top of my game mm-hmm. intellectually but it's but it's a crystallizing moment I think as well where I'm not on top of my game but all of a sudden I go well this is what we're playing for here and and how do we how do we change that view and realize that that it is that it is getting to the summit of the mountain that that is the ultimate that, that is the ultimate goal and if we have to do this then we have to do this and but I don't think in the moment I realized all of the sort of interesting and, and nice twists and turns that that took because I was seeing my I was seeing my job in a really narrow uh, in a really narrow way, where I needed to make it to the summit of the t- of the mountain unassisted, in order to, in order to even get the start at what we wanted to do as a foundation. So it was it was really hard for me to see the big picture. The practical part of it was okay. Well, this is this is where we've come, and the goal is to get to the summit. And I guess we'll figure out some of the other stuff as we go along. So I did not have, I did not, I did not have everything, everything all. All planned the, the way that it would go, and it, it turned out to be a really interesting twist that probably was the best thing that could have happened to us in the climb. I, I thought so too. I mean, as I as I watched you in that moment, I mean, you were saying that you were saying, uh, you know, you, you could see you grappling with the the implications of both the reality of the situation and also of making a decision to change the approach at that moment and it was big it was almost beyond fathoming and yet you know you made the adjustment and you you carried forward and it was clearly just a really frustrating and and difficult um challenging time for you and you said i don't know what if i don't know about this i don't know if this is good or not i don't know what to make out of this there's some bad things about this and yet the epiphany, if you will, that the mountaintop moment came, and um, I wonder if you could tell us what did the mountain teach you? Oh, the mountain taught me so much. And, and first of all, sometimes you think that that you spent all of this time preparing. I mean, it was two years of preparation just to get the the opportunity to try to climb the mountain, and then all of this hard work, nine hours a day on average for six and a half days to get to the top of the of the mountain, and you feel like. You feel like you want this this sense of euphoria and this sense of conquering the mountain and put your and take your flag out and, and put your flag at the at the top of the mountain and say yes I conquered this mountain and I didn't have any of that feeling at all. My feeling was so humble at that point where I was making it to the summit and I felt like it was this communion with the mountain and I was saying thank you to the mountain for giving me this opportunity to to reach the top, but. But it was also, there were so many other things that I had to learn along the way. This idea of, I had to spend two years of preparation, two years of, of designing the vehicle, of, of training, going from competing for basically two minutes to pedaling for nine hours a day, from raising the money just to make it, make it happen, to uh, the idea of having a goal that was bigger than me myself. I felt like if I had just tried to climb the mountain on my own, for my own personal ego or whatever, but I probably wouldn't have made it to the summit. But I felt like I rode on the power of 1.1 billion people in the world with physical disabilities, people we were trying to give a voice to. Uh, this idea of something small leading to something big and celebrating the victories and the defeats along the way. And, and that if you don't want to be separate, you need to be part of the team. But the biggest thing that, that came out of it for me was this idea of the journey is the only thing that's guaranteed. I mean, in some ways it becomes it becomes cliched, but if the only thing that was going to be a payoff for me was the top of the mountain, then I was then I was missing the joy of all that work to get there and the transformation that was happening as I as I came along, and, and so those were the things that, that the mountain really taught me, and they taught me in a, it taught me in a really crystal way because I had to struggle for those lessons. Yes, I mean, really uh, powerful, powerful lessons. Um, 
We're going to take a break in just one minute, Chris, but I I have more big questions to ask you, so I'm, I'm uh, stalling here for time. But I, as I look at the movie, and I really hope that those listening will find a way to see The One Revolution um, and, and really watch this incredible ascent uh, that we're talking about here today. It's um, moving, it's memorable, and it's something that um, will will indeed give you access to these universal lessons about, um, I want to say resilience, but also making your dream come true and, and about life. So we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1. 866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. My guest Chris Waddell and I are talking about his work, his life's work through the One Revolution Foundation and his climb to Mount Kilimanjaro. And you can learn more about this by going to www.one-revolution.com. Dot org, O-R-G. And you can also purchase a copy of the DVD there. And we've been talking about this amazing film. Um, would love for you to see it. Um, Chris, I want to just go back for a moment to that, that mountain and that, that journey. And, you know, y- you made it very clear as, uh, as you began to, um, kind of get to the summit and get to the peak that as you, as you Reflected, you realized that you, even though your intention was to really power yourself up the mountain, and you saw it in a way as a personal quest, you had this realization that actually it was a, it was a, a quest of many. That it was actually a, a we and not an I kind of a, a moment. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how that realization shifted or changed your thinking. To, to answer that, I have to go back to the accident in a lot of ways. And so, so I was you know, 20 years old. I was a ski racer in college when I had my accident. And the, the, the immediate thought of, of having that kind of a debilitating injury of, of breaking my back and not being able to use my legs is that it was all based on weakness. And, and the weakness meant that I had to rely on other people to help me to do so many different things. And that was my, that was my orientation at that point was this idea of, no, no, I, I'm not, I'm not weak. I can do things for myself. 
and and this idea of of gaining my independence and being independent and and, and essentially fitting into society as far as that was concerned. And the the wrinkle that was thrown at me was that that this idea of being independent can can also be alienating. That that if you don't if you don't have this connection with other people, if you're not willing to ask for for help, if I'm not willing to ask for help, then then then, then I'm separating myself from other people. And I think that that was that was this, this epiphany uh, revelation because it was it was contrary to a lot of what I had assumed before that what made me appealing as an individual was my independence because that meant that other people didn't feel like they had to be responsible for me but 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 the wrinkle of it is that we are ultimately social beings i mean to go back to that guy who became a better beggar it was really literally he was he, he was he had that social interaction and and he and he worked in concert with somebody else and and i think the idea of our our interactions are our, our personal or interpersonal Interactions are are really you know the essence of life. So so that was that was that was a big revelation for me. Yes, you know you speak about vulnerability in the movie as you just did, and you said I made a complete pursuit of not being vulnerable, and that suddenly you realize that this um, this goal actually worked against your highest mission, which is to connect with people and not to be separate from them. And I think that speaks to that universal. Um, message that you're bringing um, through your, your your life work and through through your life example, actually. Um, I want to give us a little bit of time to talk about um, to talk about your work, and you know I know that you're very busy that you're doing a lot of traveling and speaking, and you mentioned that the One Revolution Foundation has these these three elements: um, the movie, um, the name tags program. And say the third part again because it was a little we were a little bit garbled I think in our sound uh, at that moment. Mobility revolution, and, and so that's the donation of wheelchairs and hand cycles to people in developing countries. Great. And so with these three pieces, I spoke with you at one point uh, recently to prepare for today's conversation. You were in, I think, Alabama, and you'd had a conversation with some corporate executives in the morning, and then we're heading over to speak with 1,100 kids in the afternoon. <laughs> I know you're out there um, putting enormous energy into connecting people with um, the mission that you're working toward. And I wonder, I want to give you a chance here on this show to share your vision of the future with us. Give us a picture of the world you'd really like to help create. The, the world that I'd like to help create is, is a world that looks beyond our first impressions. We, as we get older and older, we seem to, our worlds get smaller and smaller. In some ways, we have this experience, and, you know, they said, with, with that quote about an expert, that an expert is somebody who knows more and more about less and less. And, and we make really quick, rash decisions about ourselves and about other people. And, and the hope in this way is that what we can do is get people to look beyond those first impressions, both of other people and of themselves. And the ultimate goal really is this idea of living fully. How, how can we live fully? And we, we are so bound with so many different excuses in our lives of, well, I can't do this because of that, and I can't, you know, once uh, once once the kids go to college, then, then I'll start living, and, and once the house is paid off, or once this is, you know, once I get a promotion, or, you know, and we have so many different things that we're living life in the future, and the hard part is that there's no guarantee whatsoever of the future. And uh, I just saw uh, another quote, which was from the Dalai Lama, and I'm trying to think if I can, I will give you the essence of it, I'm going to paraphrase it, but, but he said that, that uh, he was asking what, what, uh, what, um, you know, what, what, what he thought was bizarre about, about the world in some ways, and it was, it was this idea, he said, man, and he said, man spends all his time trying to make money and loses his health then spends all of his money trying to regain his health and, and, and spending all the time trying, learning or fearing, fearing death and then coming to the end realizing that he'd never actually lived. And, and it's like, wow. That, I mean, it just seems like so much of our lives are, are, are painted in this direction and, and can we achieve a level of simplicity that, that really is, is an, it's an individual decision and ultimately an individual responsibility as far as that's concerned, because if we're following everybody else, we're doing what everybody else is doing. And, and if we're not fulfilled, well, it's, it's not really our fault because we're a victim of circumstance at that point. But the thing is, if we can, if we can make decisions on our own to say, well, my ultimate happiness 
my happiness is the ultimate goal at this point. And how can I, how can I be happy? How can, how can I find a way to be happy and fulfilled? And, and my, I think my mission in some ways with, with my personal company and with, with the foundation as well is just to tweak people's perspective just that little bit. And if we can, if we can see things just through a little bit different perspective, maybe we can see them entirely differently. I love it. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. And um, I wonder, Chris, since our topic today was resilience, what do you do when life gets hard for you? What do I do? You know, I think that, 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 that certainly we, we are most definitely allowed that moment of going, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not a bad thing. I think we all do it and go, oh, I can't believe this. And, you know, and, and to take a moment and take a step back and, you know, go for a run or do something, you know, read a book or take a moment away from it and go, how can I, how can I attack this? But I think that that's, that's ultimately the plan is this idea of I will address this. I'm not putting this, I'm not putting this aside, but I can take a moment to go, let me just see what this is. Because I think so, so often we, we react on such an emotional level. Two things, and, and the emotional level is, is, is a personal affront in some ways. But, but if something goes wrong, it's like, it, it affected me personally. And you go, hold on, hold on, let me just take a step back and, you know, clear my head a little bit and then figure out how, how can I attack this? Because, Life, in some ways, is a game, isn't it? I mean, it's a game that that if if we look at it as a game, there's a chance that we can win, and and, and ultimately, if we can if we can win, then, then that's a good thing, you know. And if things go wrong, it's like, oh, okay, well, things went wrong. This is even a greater opportunity for me to prove just how good I am at what I do. So. <laughs> you've done it again. You've you've um, you've surfaced that philosophy of of moving of running toward challenges actually instead of away from them, and it's such a powerful powerful statement. Um, Chris, I want to say thank you for joining my show today. I continue. I think I'm going to continue to look not only at your picture but also this powerful movie that you made, and um, I hope that the rest of you will check out. Chris and his work at the One Revolution Foundation and take the time to watch this film. You can go to www.one-revolution.org. Chris, thank you so much for being with me today. You're welcome, Kate. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.